Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the Yarn Truck Podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 112, recorded the last week of July 2020. Today's segments include what you're working on and where's Nomads. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So, Erica, what have you been working on this week? It's been two weeks since I've chatted to you on the podcast, so... It's true. Um, I can only ever think of the last thing I did, so I'll start with that. (laughs) Um, We are getting ready to um, put out our next uh, subscription festival seasons box um, up for sale for people to pre-order. So this episode is being recorded on the last day of July, so we're going to send festival season three um tomorrow, tomorrow. um it'll probably actually go out on monday as we're coming onto the weekend and the post doesn't run tomorrow um and then festival season four um which is gonna be called footprints is launching tomorrow so tell us some more uh so our special nomad notion um that comes because every one of our um, subscription boxes has um, a skein of yarn, um, uh, some sort of notion, um, and uh, something cool from a local, another local artist. Um, and so the special notion this time is a little mini sock. It's like two inches tall by two inches long. Um, and it has the instructions for Kitchener stitch on it. Um, because when you're making socks, that's a thing that often, it's often hard to remember and you have to look up. Um, and it's the perfect size if you use it as a keyring you can put a knit a little sock out of some leftover sock yarn that you have from another project to put on the little sock keychain and it's going to be adorable and conveniently Dave has just dyed a whole new line of sock yarn and so I'm using a little bit of all of the different colors that he's doing for that to make my little mini sock nearly just died um <laughs> we're in the middle of that right now I'm going to talk yeah. more about that in my segment Yep. Um, so he always does test samples first. So I'm just using his little balls of test sample colors um, to make it. But it's fun. It's got stripes. I'm doing like six six rounds with each color. So it's a it's a really small little tiny sock, and it's going to be adorable. Um, so that's what I've been working on. I didn't realize that he used the worsted weight thickness like of the same base that he's dyeing the yarn of for his thing. And I'm thinking, geez, this is thick sock yarn. I'm working it on size (laughs) zero needles because that's what I normally do my socks on. Boy, is it a challenge to knit worsted weight on a size zero needle. Um, I will probably do a second sock. Um, I need to do a little video to go along with the pattern um, that will be part of the digital content um, that goes out with this box as well. Um, So I know I'll be knitting a second sock with actual fingering weight yarn. Um, So that'll give me another chance to practice that. Uh, So that is the most recent uh, thing that I'm working on. Um, Well, why don't we talk about the sock yarn? I can get back to you in a minute. Okay, yep. Um, So we've had our palette micro skeins out for mm, probably about eight months now, maybe a bit longer. Oh, I think a year. Whatever, doesn't matter. I think I launched I launched them in September last year, so like like ten ten months. but we've never had a yarn to go along with it. Well, now we do. Um, so to go along with palettes, I am going to be releasing, as soon as it is finished and dry, um, our new yarn called Canvas. Um, it's the same base as palette. So it's that 75% um, Superwash Merino, 25% Nylon, really nice high twist yarn, absolutely perfect for socks um, and perfect for everything else. Um, 
and it was going to come in originally eight coordinating colours. Um, they're all um, kind of fairly deep jewel tones um, that will go nicely with the really uh, bright, vibrant colours of palette. And um, they are currently in the studio right now. So I have uh, colour six in the dye part. I've got two more lined up in preps. Uh, all the dyes and stuff are weighed out. Um, the test colours have all been done. I just need to dot them in the dye baths before the end of the day today. Um, and we will have all eight colours ready to go. Um, as soon as they are dry, I'll be able to put them out. I've had the labels produced already. Uh, we were waiting for this base to come back in. I was hoping to have this out a little bit earlier, um, but our supplier was out of the base and they had to have um, more produced at the mill that they work with to, uh, to produce that for them. So... It's coming very, very soon. Um, hopefully it will be out um, in the next uh, week or two um, by the time we've had time to dry it and wind it. Um, so the colors are going to be a black, uh, a kind of gunmetal gray, a color that is very almost imperceptibly similar to the Matisse blue from um, Malabrigo, which is the color that Erica made the canna sweater with, with the palette. Um, so if you'd like to get a kit all from our yarns, you now will be able to. Um, there'll be a deep orangey um, brown, um, a gold ochre, a really kind of dark bottle green, um, a violet, and then a really kind of deep vermilion red. Is that eight? Um, I think so. I think that was all eight. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been working with them all day. I kind of forgotten which uh, which way is up. Um, so those are all done. Um, so I've been doing some more stuff in the dye studio that we'll talk about in a minute. But I really want to give you an update of where we are with that. Um, these are almost a solid. They are a very subtle kettle dye. Um, so there will be a little bit of variegation within tone. Um, but I am mixing um, all of the color components in them to make a solid color bath and it's just um, kind of where the skeins lie and the heat um, variation um, and concentration variation that happens in the bath naturally that will give them a little bit of uh, interest. So these will be um, a lot less like a lot of yarns that I um, have done in the past. They'll be more like a true solid. Yep. So um, I'm pretty pleased with them. I'm yeah, and I'm excited part. to do some fun sock designs. Uh, Dave and I haven't even really talked about this, but I have visions for doing a couple of different styles of playing with color um, so that if you get a full skein of the... Um, of the canvas and a micro skein um, and a contrasting color to do some fun color playing with um, with those. So they'll be primarily the the solid color canvas with some fun colors in the accent. Um, so I'm kind of excited. I have some fun thoughts. Okay, I look forward to seeing them. Yep, I always think that I'm going to be able to knit a bazillion socks, and it turns out it takes me forever <laughs> to knit socks. Um, it's one of those weird things that I feel like I can knit a sweater for myself faster than I can knit a pair of socks. What else have you been knitting this week? So the other project <laughs> that I've been working on this week, I don't remember if I talked about it last time. I don't think I did. You um, haven't even started it. I haven't done the arm for you yet. Oh, that's true. Okay, so this just just in, I started two new knitting projects this week. I feel like I've been on a bit of a of a knitting kick recently because I was doing the beaded lace um, shawl that I was really enjoying as well. Um, You're actually getting out of your quarantine funk and getting back into doing some designing and, and knitting again. It's um, true. It's good to see. Um, although we are still in quarantine. Well, not really. Mo mostly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
We'll talk more about that at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, So what I am working on with another new yarn that will be coming out uh, probably later in the fall. Um, It's a... Erica is working with the one and only skein of this right now. So Yeah, we um, don't even have more for Dave to die. Um, (laughs) He's getting all the new sock yarn out on the truck before we order, place another order. Um, But... It's a worsted weight wool with the, like a speckly tweed. We put up several. It's a DK weight. A DK. What did I say? A worsted. worsted. Okay, no, it's a DK. I knew that. Um, the uh, we put up pictures a while ago of we got some new bases in when we placed an order um, with the one of the mills that we work with. Um, we we knew we wanted to try out a couple of different things, and Dave wanted to do some sample dyeing on them. Um, and so he, I put a picture of all of the white undyed skeins of yarn up on our social media. Do follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're both places as Nomad Yarns. Um, as Jarvis would say, always, always be plugging. Plugging. <laughs> um, he's a YouTuber that is funny that we enjoy. Um, but I am knitting a pair of fingerless mitts um, out of this yarn, and I'm loving working with it, and I'm loving doing the mitts. This is the first fingerless mitts pattern that I have designed that actually has the separate like little finger things socks whatever they are the little finger like the short little they're just like an inch long but instead of having just a thumb and then like one big open place where all four fingers go through um this one they have the individual divisions for each finger finger gloves um like if you had a glove and then like cut off the the like pad of your finger part so there was just like an inch of the thing sticking up everybody knows what i'm talking about um i started at the top um and i mostly did this for like um inspiration for people um these would have worked just fine to have to do have designed them knitted from the bottom but i know a lot of people may be a little bit intimidated by or just dreading for whatever reason doing all the little finger guys um so with doing them at before you start the rest of it, you're, you start with those. It kind of gets that part out of the way. And then the second you join them all together, you feel very accomplished and it's just exciting to do. And then it's like an easy downhill ride to, um, to get to the end of these. Um, so I am really pleased. I've really enjoyed working with them. And I actually also plan to make these the flip top mitts. Um, so the kind that have a mitten top um, that goes um, and you can button it back onto the top of your hand or you can flip it forward so that it will actually keep your fingertips warm um, if you're out in the cold to the point that you need your actual fingers covered. Um, but your thumb is out of luck. Yeah, your thumb is out of luck. Your, <laughs> your, the tip of your thumb may get cold. Sorry. Um, but it does let you text even if you have the... Um, or like work with your phone, um, even if you have Playing or whatever. the um, the mitten part on. Um, so I don't think it's bad on there. I thought having a little flip top over the thumb would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I thought just having making the thumb as a solid um, without having the end free really messes with you if you're trying to do things on your phone, which so many people do. Um, so I I went with no thumb covering. Sorry, it's literally one one inch or less of your thumb. Um, so it's fun and exciting. I'm about to start the ribbing at the bottom, and then all I've got left to do on the first one is make the little 
the little hat, the flip top part, um, and, and attach it on there. And the pattern will have that part be optional. So if you don't think that you'll use that, um, you certainly do not have to make it. Um, so I make this pattern and take notes. I've actually done a good job taking notes this time. It's not always a huge strength of mine. Um, now you just have to not lose them between now and in two months time when you'll actually write the pattern. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't actually know where they are right now. Even. Um, anyway, uh, then I will write the pattern and then I will make the second mitt sort of test knitting my own pattern while I'm recording the videos, um, that go along, um, along with it. And with any luck, I will do that very soon rather than, as Dave mentioned, waiting for a while. Um, but the plan is that the pattern and the sample will be ready to release the day that we release that yarn um, is theoretically the plan. So we'll see. Um, I like the texture that I'm putting on these as well. It's a it's like one round of one by one ribbing and then one round of stockinette stitch. So it makes kind of a bumpy texture, which I think works really well with the um, like the tweedy look of the yarn. It just makes me happy. And watch out for this yarn and pattern um, in a couple of months' time in festival season that it will be releasing that same month. Um, so we have some really cool stuff coming along with that. There will probably be a special edition color uh, for festival season, and then um, I'm looking at doing eight colors in this uh, DK weight tweed. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, I love tweeds. so And they seem to be coming back in fashion, so um, look out for that soon. Um, so what else have you been working on? All the dying. Um, so I am getting back into uh, filling in missing colors. Um, so the great thing about us dyeing our own stuff is if I run out of a color, um, I can just run down to the studio and dye some more as I tend to keep some extra base in. Um, so I'm now refilling back in um, the colors of palette. Um, I have a color of panda stomp that we're out of that I need to do as well. Um, I want to get everything um, up and running and have all the colors of um, all of our current yarns available um, for Fiber World. So we are going to be um, teaching and have a booth at the uh, Fiber World Online Fiber Festival. That's August 20th till the 23rd. I actually believe it starts on the 19th in the evening with an opening kind of ceremony. Um, but we will be, uh, we'll be there. So um, come check out the Nomad Yarns booth. Uh, Erica will be teaching and doing some demos and stuff too. Um, so we have lots of cool stuff going on. So yeah, getting ready, getting prepared for all of that. I've also been dyeing some little silk bags um, that we will be featuring in an upcoming festival season box as well. Um, and they will be, um, we'll have extras to go out on the truck for this little notion too. Uh, so watch out for little silk notion bags um, with a cool pattern on um, coming out soon. So I've been doing lots of stuff, just little bits and pieces down the dye studio, dyed a few more silk scarves. I tend to do a bunch of those to have them um, out as well. We're really using um, kind of the time when the mills and stuff are up and running and able to provide us with uh, more material and we're getting ready for our fall season and all the stuff that we're going to be doing then um, to really fill it in with my uh, with my dye studio. So lots of cool new things coming, um, playing with new bases. There's going to hopefully be another new base from us this fall as well, uh, which will be a semi-permanent or permanent addition to our line. So we are getting more and more of the truck is just becoming our own hand eyes, which is kind of what I was aiming for. So um, Yep, and we're getting in a, a couple of um, 
products from the design or from the local businesses that we're working with as well. So we now have um, JD of Granola Girl Skincare, um, some of her lotion bars that was in our very first box. And we sent some of her um, dry shampoo bars and conditioner bars um, and some soap that matches her um, original um, lotion, bars. lotion bars as well. So those are now on the truck. Um, I need to get those up on our online store, so we'll have those in there too. So, um, yeah, there's lots of new stuff. Um, lots of new stuff happening. Um, so, yeah, generally kind of plugging away in the Dye Studio, lots of new things coming. Um, I have a special edition yarn to dye for our full retreat this year as well um and another kind of retreat thing um that i will be chatting about i'm going to talk a little bit more about um the retreat um in later in the yeah later in the episode yep um so erica what's your next thing gardens um it's it's finally started. We got our first tomato today. Um, it was very, very exciting. We actually got four tomatoes today, um, two like full-sized big red ones and two of the little lemon pear ones. Um, and it's, we're hitting, we're finally, it's just felt like it's drug on forever. Um, we're finally hitting the like summer glut season. Um, uh, we don't quite have, uh, zucchinis or we actually planted crookneck summer squash. Um, they're the yellow ones. We actually always prefer, um, our vegetables to be a color that is not green, um, just because they're easier to see when you're trying to pick them. So pretty much all of our vegetables are not green um, except for the green tomatoes which are finally turning red um, we so I, we just about kept up with our squash plants um, we did plant several I think we planted three kind of spaced out in the garden in the hopes to avoid the dreaded is it vine borer or whatever bug it is that like eats them at the bottom and then they just die and there's nothing you can do I know what I call them but that's not um, that would give us the explicit tag I think <laughs> Um, so we've just about managed to keep up with those and I've done some interesting things with them, um, which, uh, I, I put a, a Facebook post out that I was making, um, squash four ways. Like I prepped squash four ways. We also inherited two gigantic green zucchinis from my parents. Um, my parents have never been vegetable gardeners. They're ornamental gardeners, but our kids like to pick food in the garden and eat it. Um, so my parents planted a little garden so that they could pick um, when they were over at my parents' house, which is where they are right now. But the, um, the kids won't pick the small zucchinis to eat them. They'll pick tomatoes and herbs yeah. and all that kind of other things. So uh, they don't pick the zucchinis. And so when we go over, <laughs> uh, so it's basically an extension of our garden because they don't they don't tie up their tomatoes or do any pruning or weeding or any of that. So I do that when I go over. Um, but two of their zucchinis got missed, and so they got to that like baseball bat size like just the giant um, zucchinis. So I brought those home because they have like 10 of the normal sized ones at their house already. Um, and so I have I have made some pickled squash. So I sliced it, sliced one of our yellow squashes thin with a mandolin, um, sliced half an onion, um, put it in there as well, salted them, let them sit. I think I actually let them sit overnight. It covered in the fridge. 
Um, I you only need to let them sit for an hour, so I just did, didn't have time to do them that night. Um, rinsed it and drained the water out, and then you heat up your brine solution. So it was white vinegar and salt and some um, pickling spices. I like peppercorns. Um, some spice, um, right, some coriander, some, well, I said black peppercorns already, some dill, um, stuff like just general pickling spices. Um, I might have thrown some mustard seeds in there too. Um, and heat that up until it boils and then dump the squash in and let it come to a boil again and then just pour them into a jar. Um, and I'm just doing these, keeping them in the fridge um, and eating them within a, a couple of weeks. Um, I'm not, I only did one jar. I didn't. I didn't actually can them. Um, because I've never made this before, so I didn't want to make a bunch of cans of something if it was gross. Um, but, I need to give it a try. Yeah. Because uh, I haven't tried it yet. I taste tested them, and I thought they were good. I followed a recipe that I will try to find a link um, to. I'm not sure that I'm really going to recommend it. There was a lot of sugar in the recipe. Um, so I need to I need to more extensively taste test them. Um, I tried a couple right after I poured it in, and it's always better a day or two later. Um, but I think they were. We're not a sweet pickle uh, family. We prefer yeah. the like salty, crunchy, salty, crunchy kosher dill pickles and yeah. things like that. So, yeah. so uh, that was a quick pickle. Um, I also made a like Thai curry, like Thai coconut curry style um, curry with just the zucchini. Um, so that was another. That was one of the huge zucchinis from my parents. So when I'm using those, I cut them in like spears and then I cut out the middle cause it's all spongy and full of seeds. Um, and so I did that and just chopped them into like one inch cubes or something. Um, and, uh, cooked them in, uh, cooked them with an onion and in coconut milk. Um, I have some, I, I, I combined several sort of East Asian cuisine styles together. I had uh, some bouillon cubes for making pho, which is a Vietnamese, Vietnamese soup. I threw those in. Um, uh, I put in some, we, I'd made fermented ginger paste and fermented pepper paste. Um, I put some of those in. Um, I feel like I put some other seasonings in. Like, it was good. Yeah. Um, it was really tasty. <laughs> whatever, whatever cuisine it was meant to be, it was tasty. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was very tasty. I wish I would have, we had Thai basil outside that needed to be harvested, but I didn't know it slash was trying to do this quickly and I didn't get it. It's so also it, raining like crazy the day you made that. Would have been good with, um, some Thai basil in it as well. We'll have to use that um, tonight maybe. Maybe. Um, and you just served it over regular rice. It was very good. I would definitely make it again. Um, Dave was feeling sick and he didn't eat very much and the kids refused to even try it and just ate rice. The little um, bit that I ate was really good. I had, <laughs> I don't know, I, I think I had food poisoning or something. I'd been out in the sun too long. I had a, a not particularly fun um, kind of stomach day for for, <laughs> for that day. Um, but it was very tasty. The little bit that I, that I ate was very, very good. Um and the other two ways that I prepared the zucchini, I haven't like completed yet. So I will report back on those. I'm going to make a, um, a type of ferment that I had never even heard of before, let alone make. Um, Dave got me for Mother's Day a book called Fiery Ferments because I 
sent him a link and said, you should buy this for me for Mother's Day. <laughs> um, we don't normally do gifts. And then she promptly um, forgot about it. I'm I surprised with her right. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty easy to shop for in surprise that way. We don't normally do gifts for occasions, but somebody had recommended that, and I read, looked through like the chapter headings online, and I thought it looked awesome. Um, and... But so it's a, a type of ferment called an ashar, um, and it is uh, something that they do in one of the like styles of Indian cuisine. Um, and you actually you specifically leave it in bright sunlight, um, and that is what kills the or like suppresses the non-friendly bacteria and lets the friendly bacteria uh, go go to town. Um, rather than normally, it's um, it's acid that does that um, in like the form of a brine um, or salt. So that is um, that's something that I'm doing. But interestingly, you are first supposed to partially dehydrate um, the food that you're working with. So I sliced it into spears and I put it in our like solar dehydrator. It's just a giant mesh like tube that has like five little places that you can put um stuff to dehydrate in it they're not little they're huge they're very very uh it's a very large scale um it's basically like five cookie sheets worth of um worth of food they're probably even bigger than that it's probably closer to 10 cookie sheets worth of um stuff and it just hangs outside for a couple of days and it's totally surrounded by mesh so it keeps the bugs out um I put them in there um, and then it rained for 24 hours and it was hanging outside and I forgot that it was out there. So I brought it inside and they're very well washed birds, zucchini, spears now. Um, and they've been hanging inside um, for a couple of days. So I need to check those. I, I kind of forgot about them until right now. <laughs> um, and, and then you did um, tempura. Um, I did. I, that's dinner. the fifth way of zucchini. That's what we did last night for dinner. Um, tempura everything. It was cheater tempura. Um, I didn't feel like getting the whole ice water thing. It didn't Use some all. sourdough starter to make the yeah the to base. make the batter. Sourdough starter, a big old scoop of flour, and half a beer, um, and mix it up and put in some. Um, I put in. Uh, Nutritional yeast makes it slightly more savory. I meant to put in the nori flakes that we have, um, but I forgot. Um, we some had, like garlic, uh, salt, and pepper. We had green peppers from, were they from your parents' garden? No, green peppers and mushrooms were from our uh, imperfect produce delivery, and then everything else was out of our garden. There's two types had, of eggplant. Yeah, two types of eggplant. Two zucchini. types of zucchini, um, green beans, purple green beans. It was um, good. Yeah, it was. It was good. Um, I was happy. I kind of want to. It was a giant bowl that looked like too much for two people, and then. Well, it was all vegetables. We quickly demolished it all. And the last way of zucchini that I haven't done yet is I sliced it um, and then I froze it. And what I'm going to do is take it out of the freezer and marinate it, let it thaw and marinate like overnight. And then I'm going to dehydrate those chips, not all the way to like crunchy, but to like 
jerky consistency, like kind of slightly flexible. Um, and then they will be zucchini jerky. Um, apparently zucchini doesn't really take on marinades unless you freeze it and thaw it, but the freezing and thawing process like breaks the cell walls and makes it, um, accept marinade much better. Um, so I'm going to try it, see what happens. Give it again. I again. heard about it from the living homegrown podcast that unfortunately went off the air like two years ago, but I listened to all the back episodes this this spring. So you think uh, like nutritional yeast, some dulse, maybe some soy sauce, and then some spices, see if we can get it to actually taste kind of like jerky? Um, I don't know. I was I was planning on miso and garlic heavy, well, personally. Um, I like miso. Dave kind of forgets <laughs> it's there and doesn't ever really use that. it. I have a lot of um, Asian inspiration to my cooking. The first time that I was ever cooking for myself, the first time that I lived um, off campus and so not eating at a dining hall, um, I had a close friend who was um, was Japanese. Um, and so I, I have a lot of <laughs> that's basically all I all I cooked for the first two years that I cooked for myself. Um, so I make a mean stir fry and ramen noodle, <laughs> but I hate bitter melon. Um, that seems to be all the rage on some of the gardening things. I don't do bitter well, like a, <laughs> the really hoppy beers. I don't, I can't drink those either. I don't like bitter taste. Uh, we've also got the first mel- uh, lemon drop melons out of our garden, um, which are so stinking cute. Um, so it's uh, basically like a two to two and a half pound watermelon. They're pocket size. Um, that are basically Dave hand size, and they're perfect for uh, splitting in four for four people. So um, we've had two out of the garden. The one today, the kids were too excited. And I think yeah, it was not, it quite, was not ripe. quite ripe. It tasted more like a cucumber than a melon. Um, but the first one was amazing. Um, really uh, nice and sweet. It had a slightly kind of um, floral kind of flavor to it. I really enjoyed it. So yep. uh, the plant is absolutely covered in those. So yep, we're there's... looking forward to lots and lots of those coming down the line. Lots there's... of antelopes coming as well. There's five more like ones that look pretty big and then there's i don't know 10 more after that that are like bigger than a golf ball already um and there's one of them that's green um so all of the other ones are yellow and it's and it said on the seed like on the seed website they're an heirloom seed it said every once in a while it throws up a green one um but they're yellow outside and yellow inside the rest of them so i will be very intrigued to see if the green one is green on the inside um but the first one seemed to have some uh, good mature seeds in it, so I did save seeds from the very from the first one, which I have never really done before. Save yeah, seeds we'll on see purpose. If, um, we'll see if it grows. I mean, we the cantaloupes that we're growing um, came from a grocery store melon, so um, hopefully these will grow too. Yeah. So, Cantaloupes um, are really fuzzy. I didn't know that when they're growing on the vine. They're very, very fuzzy. Um, so, yeah, um, I've been back in my painting studio this week um, doing a, a very unusual project that I really enjoyed. Um, this creeps me out. So um, I've had a, a new um, – it was a new contact through a, um, a an Indiana artist group that I'm in. Um, was looking for someone to paint. He collects um, like masks um, from a couple of uh, different companies that make like plaster and and pottery casts. Um, And this one was of the classic uh, Jack Nicholson Joker. Um, So I I said, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, 
uh, he sent it out straight away and I was excited so I painted it instead of uh, carrying slogging on with the long project that I'm doing it was a nice little break um, so I got to do something a little bit unusual um, in my miniatures painting studio by painting something full size um, so I've got another project um, probably lined up with the same guy as well um, to paint basically full size masks um, so the interesting thing about um, this particular piece is I was painting um, the Joker, so he's in classic white makeup, um, but trying to make him look, have some depth and look really sinister. Um, so I use um, an interesting technique um, that I've used in the past and kind of twisted it a little bit. Um, if when you're shading flesh tones, um, whether you're doing it with uh, paints or whether you're doing it with inks or however you're, you're working with flesh, um, flesh tones often have quite a kind of a bluish kind of purpley shadow. Um, so no matter kind of what the flesh tone is, whether you're going a um, like a really dark uh, skin tone or whether you're doing like a really pale um, or even white skin tone, um, like a real pure white skin tone, um, you'll get some of that uh, purplish bluish tone in the shadows. Um, so that's what I did with this piece. I actually took the the mask, um, used my spray cans to prime it grey, and then prime it from one direction um, white. Um, and that's really useful uh, trick if you're working with something 3D and you want to add more depth to it. Um, if you um, spray color, even with, with a, a primer spray can from one direction and don't turn the piece, it will only hit the surfaces that are raised up as if the light was shining in that way. Um, so that's a clever trick um, that kind of people painting models and sculptures will use uh, to paint from one direction to be able to kind of add artificial extended shadows. Um, so I gave a really uh, dramatic lighting effect. And then in those gray areas, fading into the gray in the very deepest areas I worked with um, a very dark um, indigo um, and then up into a violet um, and then faded that into the gray and then into the white um, so it looked really bizarre um, but then and let me just point out this is like in a box open from the top sitting in our shared crafting space yeah eric was really so i'm like by the, turning around from the, the ironing more and more board realistic looking uh, face in the box to go <laughs> to the like cutting table and there's just this creepy creepy life-size face in a box <laughs> it didn't help that it was the joker as well so like sinister batman in the box like staring up yeah the, no it was real staring up from my bench it was real creepy <laughs> It makes me jump every time. I've jumped like 25 times. Well, it's gone. We mailed it yesterday. It's not okay. nice anymore. Oh, is, that, his... is that what was in the big box? Uh-huh. Oh, hooray. <laughs> He's probably sending me more to do, though. They won't be quite as creepy yet. Okay. Um, so then when I got to that stage, I then glazed the whole thing with white ink um, using several layers of my airbrush to kind of build it up. And what that does is it... Um, the great thing about inks... Um, is they're semi-transparent. So um, when you use it with a brush or when you use it with an airbrush, you can use them to glaze and unite colors. Um, so I basically glaze the whole thing gradually with inks until all of those uh, flesh tones blended together and gave me um, a, a really um, a white background with a lot of depth. So that was a lot of fun. I also had fun uh, painting like um, full-size uh, creepy teeth and... Um, the makeup, which I used, uh, I mixed in some um, gloss 
uh, floor polish. It's a um, it's something I use quite a lot. Um, if there's a, a Johnson's floor wax um, or a floor polish that uh, a lot of um, painters and, and modelers will use, is it's actually basically a, a gloss acrylic medium um, with a slight scent to it, so it smells nice. Um, <laughs> but it comes in a huge bottle, and um, loads and loads of uh, different artists and miniature painters use this stuff. Um, so mix that in with the with the red ink and paint I was using to do that to give the um, the like lip makeup, make it look like it was uh, like wax lipstick. So I got to mess around with some um, some techniques and some kind of uh, fakery that I don't really get to exploit that much when it's at a very small scale. It's a, um, you could do more interesting things with textures on a, on a large scale. So I really enjoyed the project and I'm, I hope I will get to do some more. Um, so Erica, what else have you been working on? Last thing, because we're going long. Um, last thing that I've been working on, I jumped back into the sewing studio. I'm still working on and off with my um, puff quilt or biscuit quilt. Um, I've talked about that a couple of different times. I've got it all like in little bundles. So when I'm just in the mood to sew squares together forever, um, I can just do that. And I like to have mindless projects set up like that um, so that if I want to sew, but I don't really want to use a lot of brain cells, I've got one to, to do. Um, but last yesterday I decided I want, it feels like it's never going to be cool ever again. I'm just really, really hot. Our house is not air conditioned because it was built in 1870 before it even had electricity. Um, and normally in the like horrible hot times of summer, we spend a lot of time at places that are not our house. Like we go to the children's museum a lot or like to the movies or to the library or whatever. And if I get really hot, it's like, okay, we're going someplace else. But we can't do that this year. So I'm just stuck in our incredibly hot house all day, every day. Um, so I decided I wanted to make myself some more summer pajamas. Um, or I'm not even going to call them pajamas. Loungewear. Because I let's be honest, how many of us take off our pajamas during the day? I mean, maybe other people do, but I often don't. <laughs> um, and so I uh, pulled out some fabric that I had left over from another um, job. Actually, I think it used to be a skirt um it's just a stretch cotton with a little bit of um uh, what's the stretchy thing not nylon what am i spandex um so i i'm guessing it's like a 95 percent cotton five percent spandex um skirt that di didn't fit me any longer after having kiddos um and i had cut it apart and used some of the fabric for something else um and then i just turned it into a really loose fitting flowing um like knee length pajama lounge wear kind of a dress thing. Um, I didn't have enough. I had exactly the right amount of it to give it the shape that I wanted and the length that I wanted, but then I didn't have enough of it to make the bands around it. Um, so I used fabric from another project that I had left over. Um, it's not really noticeable. They blend in pretty well. Yeah, they had a very similar shape. It was almost like a I don't even know, like a, a circle around a diamond kind of a shape or an oval around a diamond. Um, one of them was black and white with the, a, like a little dash of pink in the middle was the main one. And then the other fabric that I used was a very similar pattern, but was like off white and like charcoal gray. Um, but the bands are really narrow. Um, I did sort of kind of use a pattern. Um, I used, so I have, I have a fair number of 
patterns. I counted when I organized them. I think I have around 40 patterns um, for sewing, uh, garment sewing patterns. Um, and I, it turns out now that I'm certainly not going to pretend to be an expert garment sewer, um, but I'm solidly an intermediate garment level sewer, I think. Um, and it turns out I like to sew the same way I like to knit in that I like to decide what I want to make and then make it. I don't like to try to find a pattern that somebody else wrote. Like I just can't be bothered. I know what I want. Um, and I don't want the hassle of like of finding that I already know what I want. Um, so I probably, well, I will probably buy more patterns cause it's fun sometimes. Um, but I probably don't need to buy any more patterns. Once you have a pattern for, a, like a tank top out of a stretchy fabric, um, you can make that tank top longer by, and turn it into a dress. So you can put a ruffle at the bottom of the dress. You can make it have a square neckline instead of a scoop neckline. Like just by, you just sort of lay the pattern. So I laid the pattern piece on the fabric because the fabric was the limiting factor um, and just figured out how to go from there. So the pattern piece that I used was the front of the Spoxy pattern, which is a pattern from Stitch Upon a Time. Um, and I already had it cut out in the right size. Um, and so I just sort of laid it on and then I, I did some jiggery pokery to make it work, um, with the fabric piece that I had. Um, and I'm happy with it. It feels really nice and it's comfy. It looks really cute. I will probably make another one. I have another, um, fabric that I think would work well, um, for that. And I would like to use, um, use that up, get stuff out of my fabric stash and into my wardrobe. Just in time for it to get cold. I feel like I'm never going to be cold ever again, though. Um, okay, should we move along? Let's move along to Where's Nomad. So um, we are doing all kinds of things right now. So um, given the ongoing pandemic situation, um, we're switching up um, again, kind of how we're working. We're happy that uh, Indiana now has... Um, a statewide mask mandate, which um, makes us feel a little bit more comfortable going uh, further afield now. Um, so we will be um, very soon setting up a stop for Bloomington and a stop for Greencastle um, to start with, um, to go back to those two places. We did a little survey on our social media asking people where they'd most like to see us. Um, we do have plans to eventually go some more of our uh, places that we um, were regularly stopping, um, especially over to Terre Haute. I know people would like to see us over there, um, maybe to a couple of places we go less often as well. Um, but for the time being, we're planning to do Bloomington. And we're planning to do Greencastle. Stay tuned for more on that. Yep. And those will, our plan is those will both be in August. Um, and we'll continue to do our Plainfield stop um, but we will get to both Bloomington and Greencastle as well in August. Um, and um, we'll probably aim for those kind of mid-August and then see how we're doing towards the end of the month if we want to squeeze another one in or whether we want to kind of plan to expand a little bit further in September. So yep. um, kind of stay tuned for that. And um, we're sorry for not being able to give more specifics. Um, the, the case numbers and the recommendations and our knowledge of COVID just keeps changing. Um, and it's very difficult to make plans. Um, and also the nature, that in mind. the nature of the stops that we do, um, we need to work with um, uh, the places that we're going to stop um, and get everything set up with them so we know that 
uh, everyone's kind of planned to be there and on board and, and all of that jazz. So yeah, the, um, the other businesses that we're working with, it kind of depends on what their decisions are. I'm working on getting those well. set up, basically. Um, I'm working on getting those set up as soon as we can. Um, we will continue to do our playing field stuff for the time being. So 5 till 8 p.m. every Thursday um, at uh, G's Nice Cream, uh, Joyce Cakery, um, Timber City Coffee. Uh, we love working with them. It's a great spot for us. Um, it's been a good place for us to, to stop over the last few weeks. So yep, we'll continue to that do that weekly um, for the time being. Um, yep, we're so, pleased that so many of you guys have found it um, useful and have managed to, to get out to see us as well. Uh, Plus, it gives me an excuse to get cold brew coffee um, for the next morning. I plan to talk to Tabitha as well um, about us reopening the Nomad Dropbox. Um, as she is now open full time. Uh, back at the real food shop so um we are planning to reopen the nomad dropbox for if you want to um buy online um or um via phone email whatever um want to pick up from us um we're looking at uh, getting that reopened again for everyone as well so there will be a free pickup option um in plainfield too um the other thing that i've had requests for is private shopping on the truck um, we are looking into doing that um, to have private shopping periods that you can book. Um, the idea is to book those with a fee. Um, and then um, basically, if you come and shop and spend that amount um, or more on yarn, then the, the fee is essentially refunded to you. Um, so we're looking at a way of doing that um, in it may be there ends up having to be with the truck parked at our home um, and that will kind of restrict who uh, we will let um, come and uh, come and book those initially because it is our home um, and we ideally want to, to um, make sure that it's, it's regular customers, you know, really well, just because this is where we live and it's, it's kind of uh, in part of our, our private life away from work. So um, we're looking into if that's going to be a possibility. Um, and then we have some more interesting stuff coming up. So we will be part of Fiber World, the online fiber festival um, happening August 20th to the 23rd. Um, so we will have a booth there. Eric will be teaching some classes as well. Um, stay tuned for more info on that. Um, in the next episode of this podcast, I will give you more information about um, how to find our booth on there, um, the classes and times that Eric will be teaching. Um, but I, all of that soon. theoretically, we believe that I'm going to be teaching a lot, like five classes. Yeah, I think we'll we'll be doing probably three classes and a couple of like demo a or, demo or lectures. And a lecture. Um, so yeah, there should be lots of content coming from us for that. Um, so yeah, we're excited to be part of that. And then um, the full retreat this year, we um, we chatted with um, uh, everybody that, that was concerned. Um, We've still got some more planning to do, but from our initial survey that we put out, um, it looks like our retreat is going to be going digital this year, digital only. And that survey was sent to the people who had already signed up. Yeah. So if you're so, thinking, how did I miss the survey? <laughs> um, if you hadn't signed up for the retreat already, uh, that's why you didn't get so it. So we released the retreat information. Everyone who's got an online order from us, uh, the retreat information has continued to come out to you. Um, you'll notice uh, soon, um, I've just got some, some work to do. 
hopefully um, we'll be able to have online retreat registration available, which will be available for everybody in the whole of the US. Um, so um, the idea is that we will ship you a crate of um, some limited edition yarns that will be dying, uh, a goodie bag of other things, um, even uh, probably some local snacks or some international snacks because uh, the food is a big part of the retreat, um, and some classes. Uh, there'll be digital classes, a digital chat room open, um, all kinds of things. So we're just putting the, the details together with that. I'm confirming that we're doing digital only. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That will be October 2nd to the 4th. Um, and yeah, we are working on putting all that together and, uh, and it getting will, details of pricing out to everybody. Yes. Um, and it will be less expensive than the in-person retreat. Basically we will be refunding everybody who's, who has already signed up, um, because you don't have to pay for food or accommodations because we don't have to pay for food or accommodations. Um, so yeah, uh, the pricing for that will be, um, $220 for, the um, basically two full days and an evening um, and that will include all of your classes um, and the class materials in those um, all of your goodie bags all of that jazz so um, there'll be really really cool stuff um, coming to you all in a special um, special crate that we're looking at getting produced We've got some really cool ideas for that we're just putting it all together um, to be able to present to um, everyone who's already signed up and then we'll be opening it up to uh, sign ups basically until uh, September. So you'll have uh, about a month uh, to sign up if you want to join us. Yep. Okay, so lots of cool stuff uh, happening, lots of cool dye things. I need to run down to the dye studio to do some uh, color switching out for the next color and happy crafting. Yep. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarchup.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.